A Star to Steer By Chapter 16 Anakin, No! Rex settled the last of his armor back into place, studying his reflection. The small fresher had some decent amenities, though the lack of sonics was an interesting signal about the local tech. He was somewhat rested, he'd gotten a quick shower, and the negotiator was prepped for battle. Kenobi seemed unfortunately certain that it would be a battle. Not that Rex disagreed, given how General Hammond and Selmec had taken the time for a last round of questioning before allowing him to resume hosting Kenobi. Those two had been looking for support against their own people. Rex and his general were walking into enemy territory. Not quite that bad. More like contested ground. Kenobi sounded distracted, but not tense. Well, at least one of them was relaxed, more or less. Rex rolled his shoulders, double-checking his pauldrons. He was grateful for the armor. He'd never developed any kind of fondness for civilian clothing, and undersuits, while versatile, left something to be desired when going into formal negotiations. Ready when you are, General. Kenobi sent quiet assent, reaching out with the force as Rex picked up their escort. It was weird not having brothers at his back, but it was hardly the strangest thing he'd run into in the last few months. Rex tried to keep the confident, bordering on arrogant walk that Jedi maintained, though he was getting increasingly worried. Kenobi couldn't find anyone in the Force, beyond that hint of Skywalker being alive, and those two had managed conversations before from a significant distance. Since his return to Rex, Kenobi had been more open, the strict partitioning of thoughts and emotions now more lax. It made the working partnership easier and more fluid, which Rex appreciated. It also meant that if Kenobi really was worried, Rex would know. What Rex was picking up from Kenobi was more disquiet than anything else. Not a surprise, considering the Ta'ari's troubleshooting for weird situations included, is this an alternate reality? Finding out that Kenobi had run across memories from Jack of alternate dimensions was not the sort of thing Rex had ever expected. Oh, sure, the Force was weird in its own way, and as the war had dragged on, Rex had run across more cheap hollow novels about alternate realities than he could shake a blaster at. He hadn't gone looking for them, but quality entertainment had been in short supply, and he'd learned to take what downloads and data chips he could get. Alternate realities weren't really possible, or... So he'd thought. Neither of them liked the idea that they were not just far from Coruscant, but possibly outside their reality altogether. Nor the fact that it seemed more and more likely. One of the guards at the door nodded to him, holding it open. Rex walked into yet another meeting room, windowless this time. The long table held General Hammond, what 
Jack and Kenobi called SG-1, Colonel Ferretti, bald and bitter, and about a dozen other personages, all human, though apparently that was all they had on planet. Rex stepped over to the single empty chair, glancing around and meeting guys. Three radiated outright hostility. All were suspicious of Rex and Kenobi. He inclined his head just a bit. Hammond nodded. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present General Kenobi and Commander Rex. Rex inclined his head. Commander Rex, second in command of the 212th Attack Battalion in the Grand Army of the Galactic Republic. He ceded control, feeling astonishment from the new arrivals and amused surprise from Jack. The general had the same nod of greeting, though Rex suspected that the Jedi pulled it off better. General Obi-Wan Kenobi of the Grand Army of the Galactic Republic. The change of eye color was startling. McGregor drew himself up a bit more. Admiral Clarence McGregor, chairman of the Joint Chief of Staffs to the President. It was interesting to watch the alien track across the collective brass as they went down the line doing introductions, from the National Security Advisor to several aides and NID advisors. McGregor had to wonder what the aliens saw. After all, once you got past the ridiculous-looking tack gear, the man didn't look any different from some random soldier off the street. He smothered a grin as Tara Hayes dove into negotiations, starting in with a mix of demands and interrogations. She was very, very good at her job, but to be the National Security Advisor as a woman, let alone a black woman, well, that wasn't a job for the faint of heart. McGregor had never regretted his career path, but being a black man in the Navy hadn't been a cakewalk either. He was trying to ignore the whole snake wrapped around the man's brainstem thing. There was diversity, and then there was something that made him want to take up serious drinking. The first time a report on the Stargate program crossed his deck, he chuckled and tossed it aside, wondering for a moment if his aide was trying to be entertaining, or if he'd accidentally left a gag folder in with the real work. He promptly forgot about it until the next day when it came again, this time stamped urgent. Sense of humor or no, that wasn't something any serviceman would do this high up in the ranks. Since then, he'd looked forward to the pulpy misadventures that he was obligated to read and believe, but honestly, it sometimes seemed like a miracle or three that the planet was still standing. He didn't know Hammond, but the man seemed like a steady, capable, and canny leader, on top of which SG-1 had the devil's own luck, good and bad. McGregor didn't always agree with the president, but he did respect the man. A glowing recommendation of Hammond, delivered via the White House Chief of Staff, wasn't something to be dismissed out of hand. While Hammond's good old Texas boyfriend seemed like it would clash with the president's personality, apparently they were old friends. McGregor was sure there were some very interesting stories behind that, 
But between some of the more colorful SGC reports and the reputation the NID was developing, he was inclined not to add too much salt to things. Tara was going to be harder to convince of this Republic's intent and relevance, but that was also her job. Playing nice might or might not be his purview, but the National Security Advisor needed to be a hard-nosed cynic with more than a touch of paranoia. Kenobi was handling her well. He was polite, determined, and more experienced than at least half of McGregor's fellow brass. McGregor was impressed with the man. Alien. Snake. Whatever. Shit. This was only going to get weirder. He was impressed that Kenobi had a decent handle on things, but the further they got into the diplomatic dance, the more he had to wonder. Never mind the NID's continued attempts to get in the way of anything and everything useful. Never mind the weird, not-quite-alliance that the alien possessed former General Carter had going on with Kenobi. No. The thing that made McGregor clam up and Hayes poke harder because she had picked up on it, too, was Kenobi's breadth of influence. There weren't nearly enough evasions via authority. Not nearly enough, I can only tentatively discuss, will need to talk to my superiors, going on. Though there were repeated, frustrated references to the need for a full Jedi High Council to settle some of the demands being made of him. They didn't have just a general here, any more than McGregor was just your ordinary grunt. He didn't find that odd, though. You never showed your full hand the first few rounds. Another reason he was fine letting Hayes take the lead, and with letting the NID strut around shooting various feet, though he did hope they ended up mainly targeting their own. The problem with wait and see, of course, was the waiting bit. An hour later, and everyone was still dancing around in circles. Well, the NID folks were hobbling, but he had to admire their determination. Couldn't quite figure out what lit the fire under their asses, though. A klaxon sounded, jerking everyone in the room upright. Unscheduled activation, a man declared over the in-house speakers, strained but unhurried. Rhythmic clunking was starting somewhere, so given they were all tucked under a friggin' mountain, that would have to be the Stargate itself. The local SGC folks were tense in the way of people gearing up for a fight. They only relaxed when the announcement of Friendly GDO signal identified came over the speakers. Kenobi gave Hammond a wry grin, something small and humorless. Perhaps a break is in order? Not a bad idea. If anyone wants to see our Stargate in action. McGregor tried not to twitch. Hell yes, he wanted to see this. He also didn't want to look like some tourist asking for a picture with Mickey Mouse. He took the time to nod to Hammond before pushing himself upright and moving with a purpose towards the door. 
he was pretty sure that none of the grainy video he'd seen could be accurate for this gate opening, and they could really use a break from the diplomatic shuffle. Most of the politicians didn't even wait for the question to finish before they were leaping up to get out of the room and find an observation point. Obi-Wan, in the meantime, ceded control, and Rex sat back in his chair. He'd seen the damn thing up close, and given how it affected his general, well, hell's with that. He and Jack exchanged sardonic looks, both straightened as a soldier came in to whisper something to General Hammond. The general's expression went too blank, just before he shot a faintly accusatory look at Selmek. The Tulkra's eyes blazed gold, and Hammond nodded. Selmek stood, stalking out with more military to their gate than they'd ever had, unless the host was in control. Looks like someone's early. Oh, wonderful, Kenobi muttered. More unhelpful brick walls. Rex sent a wave of not-quite-amusement right back. He was the one making the call to stand and leave the room, joining the Ta'ari at an observation window. He didn't like the gate on general principle, but taking in potential enemies, potential allies, potential Sith was important, too. He kept his snarl internal as the energy flared outwards, settling back into the circle until it rippled thrice. Humans again. One woman, two men, all of them with a haughty disdain that Selmek, in retrospect, had kept toned down. They have their noses any higher in the air, and they're going to bump them against the top of the gate. Kenobi snickered a little, sending a light sensation of admonishment that had no real substance to it. In the gate room, an imperious Selmek marched up to the new arrivals, practically radiating their disapproval of the situation. All three of the Togra ignored that, their own tightly wound desires seething under pleasant masks. The slimy, grasping feel from each Togra made Rex and Kenobi's skin crawl from meters away. Selmek was positively pleasant in comparison, even if not light, per se. How come the more allies we get, the darker they are? Rex asked, watching the way the three moved. Warriors all, though they hit it well. The woman's address, in particular, was impractical, but the ribbon device she had on her hand had the look of something well used and worn often. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I'm glad our first contact was Selmek. Kenobi's admission was grudging, and he kept a tight lid on his growing concern. If the apparent lightest Tok'ra ally they had met felt like a Sith from the first, what the hells were they getting into, and what were the actual Sith like? Obi-Wan shook off the memories of Sidious, and that horrible, devouring darkness that he had believed to be the product of centuries of planning and manipulation. 
Please, Force, let them not be comparable to Sidious, Obi-Wan muttered, probably not meaning to broadcast it to Rex. When Ventress had been an acknowledged apprentice and consistently dark, she'd felt worse to Obi-Wan's senses than Selmak. The three new arrivals were also less dark than Ventress, but by a much slimmer margin than Selmak. The possibility that true Sith were all like Sidious was almost as bad as the possibility that it would be Obi-Wan in a squad of less than two dozen troopers facing down an empire of system lords, trapped alone in some mirror universe of their home. Rex kept his arms at rest, despite the urge to cross his arms or rest hands on blasters he didn't have. The new Tok'ra did not seem to be any kind of ally they might want. Yet between the honesty about the Tok'ra situation and the awkward yet earnest attempt to make sure General Carter had been visibly included in the talks, Selmek seemed to be at least halfway decent. We'll see, Kenobi grumbled quietly. In mental privacy, Rex grinned. He didn't know if his general was playing it cautious or if the understandable disgust for some of the Tok'ra's lifestyle choices was overpowering common sense, but he was confident Kenobi would find a neutral path eventually. He went back into the meeting room and stood near his chair, not quite ready to settle at the table yet. It was interesting to watch the political maneuvering with a front-row seat. Rex had heard Kenobi scornfully laugh off the title of negotiator plenty of times, emphasizing that he specialized in aggressive negotiations. While Rex was willing to allow that might be true, since he'd seen enough of it firsthand, the blithe dismissal ignored that Kenobi was damn skilled in actual diplomacy as well. Skywalker, however, did specialize in aggressive negotiations. Rex suspected the man could be diplomatic when needed, but it wasn't Skywalker's preference, and Rex had never personally witnessed an example of it. Sitting in on the talks with Kenobi now was different. Rex couldn't tell who was ahead in this strange contest of word-twisting that Kenobi and the Ta'ari politicians tried to weave around each other. Even more frustrating was that the locals seemed to be looking for the manacle laughter or whatever their notions of signs of evil were. We need to get the hell out of these negotiations and figure out what the actual situation is, Rex growled, not bothering to hide the protective concern for his Jedi, who was still twisting himself into emotional knots over the darkness starting to pervade the entire mountain. Agreed. Selmek ostentatiously led the Tok'ra into the room, but anyone could read the shifting balance of power. Selmek was not the leader so much as the poor sap opening and holding the door for the rest. Not a power play I like. 
Kenobi grumbled, settling into his chair. Rex sent agreement while there was a hasty shuffle to get the newcomers placed at the table. Once seated, the woman in the center inclined her head in a regal little nod. I am Garshwa of Belowit, member of the Tokra High Council. With me are Lantash. She motioned to an intense young man to her left. Lantash was clean-shaven and short-haired, with an empty smile and the feeling of downright obsession directed towards Major Carter. And Thoran. The man on her right was dark-skinned and dour-looking, radiating distrust and extreme caution that verged on paranoia, all hidden under a polite nod. Compared to Selmec, there was a great deal less flex to these Tok'ra. They felt seriously unhinged, and it was playing havoc with General Kenobi's force senses. Before Kenobi could speak, Selmec jumped in. Since it might not come up, their hosts are Yosef, Martolf, and Dorik. A new Tok'ra gave Selmec a universal look of confusion, and Rex could feel Kenobi's guilty little snicker, combined with a tinge of ruefulness. General Kenobi and Host Rex, I was under the impression you weren't due for a few hours yet. Garshaw gave him a pleasant little smile that felt anything but. Since we were due to take part in the discussions, the council decided it was best if we try to participate from the beginning. And what exactly is it that you want? grumped one of the older men, who had been one of the ones most interested in the larger landcraft. The notion of someone so viciously eager for the destructive might of a fleet of ATTEs did not sit well with Kenobi or Rex. Garshaw's smile was a few iotas less charming for the man. I'm rather certain our interest will not overlap. We are interested in hosts, since our numbers are limited and we do not take unwilling... That will not be part of these negotiations, Kenobi snapped. The ploy for sympathy was perhaps secondary, yet still disgusting. Rex could feel their genuine greed, and damned if the general would allow any Republic citizen, clone or otherwise, to go to host that sort of darkness. Thoran leaned forward. I was given to understand that there were a number of your soldiers present that were willing to be hosts. A burst of frustrated shame rose from Selmec, but Kenobi did not break eye contact with Thoran. Two Jedi. There has not been any discussion about the Tok'ra. Then surely we will be able to have that discussion with them. Lantash said, sounding oh so reasonable that it made Rex's skin crawl. You will not? Rex was a little surprised to find he'd taken control, but the notion of these three sniffing around his troops was unacceptable. He winced inwardly as the three 
stared for a moment, and then he realized that the change in eye and voice had caught their attention in a way that even Kenobi had not. Shit. Shit. Sorry, Sorry, sir. No need. One of us would be yelling at them, and the opportunity to calm down doesn't change the fact that I just made them more interested. The feel of reassurance, protectiveness, with a touch of fury curled around him as Rex relinquished control. As my host said, you will stay away from my men. At the very minimum, they are working for the Jedi Order with legal contracts concerning their safety and mental health, and I will not surrender them to you. Gershwa hesitated for a moment before recovering her ablam, along with that spine-crawling sensation of mad covetousness. We will, of course, respect your wishes regarding your soldiers, but we will at some point make contact with your superiors. I'm given to understand you also have a ruling council. You must understand our position. He could feel the general's temper break again, but it was cold and aimed this time. Kenobi always did do better with a direct target. You must understand, he snapped, leaning back and crossing his arms with a hot tour that Rex had been aware of but never witnessed. You already are speaking to a Jedi counselor. My position is that you will not approach my troops. The Tok'ra looked a little appalled. The politicians looked suspicious. Jack, of course, was the one to break the silence. Excuse me, but I just want to make sure I'm connecting the dots right. You're one of the head honchos? Yes, Kenobi bit out. Uh-huh. Jack nodded slowly, and only his squad mates seemed to be taking that blithely. And they let you run around playing soldier? Kenobi flicked a cool glance over at him. The war lasted eight years. All the counselors have, at one time or another, taken to the field, even Master Yoda, although, admittedly, that was not supposed to be a mission with active combat. Really? drawled one of Mayborn's allies. We're just supposed to buy this sudden promotion of yours? Rex couldn't stop a snort of disdain and didn't try. As an added bonus, the sudden change in eye color unsettled several of the Ta'ari politicians, including the one who'd spoken. SOP, if the Seps didn't know who they were fighting, then letting them know they had not a general but a counselor in their grasp would be incredibly stupid. The last time that happened, we almost lost the counselor, and his host did lose an eye. It's a miracle nothing worse happened. Kenobi sent a cool look towards the Tokwa contingent. 
my position as counselor wasn't relevant. As a single member of the council, I do not have the authority to make binding legal or military agreements regarding access to Republic military resources by non-Republic worlds. That requires the full council, and quite possibly a decision by the Senate. However, as a Jedi Counselor and a General of the Grand Army, I am the highest authority around when it comes to my troops. Kenobi held Garshaw's gaze. After a long moment, she twitched her head in reluctant acknowledgement. So... Shall we continue the discussion we were having before we were interrupted? Jack knew that in this particular horse trade, he'd become the equivalent of window dressing, but he kept loose tabs on the power jockeying. He was paradoxically both relieved and frustrated. He'd done his part in the beginning, vouching for Kenobi and giving his estimates on weapon specs, and then all the bigwigs had lost interest in them. It was kind of nice not being responsible for the fate of Earth's involvement with other worlds, for once, but it made him itch a little that the bigwigs were so very bad at it. Matter of professional pride and all that. The NID were dragging their feet and flailing about to jack complete non-surprise, the military contingent had similar enough goals that they were sipping on each other's toes, not to mention that nobody from Earth really liked having to deal with a snake. The bulk of Jack's attention was on the Tok'ra. Normally, he kept an eye on them anyway, because, reformed or not, Gua'uld. He never would have thought he'd be looking at them through the eyes of personal experience. It was weird how he could track the difference, when before it would have just been a background creep-out. Selmec made the sharp divide of host and Tok'ra work, though that might be a Jacob thing. The other Tok'ra didn't, really. Even Lantash, who'd allowed free reign for Martoff to make puppy eyes at Sam before, was front and center now. It was all Tok'ra, almost all the time, and they gave no indication that their host had anything to do with their decisions. That bugged Jack on a level he didn't really get. Also, a matter of professional pride? He hoped not. He didn't think he really wanted to sign up for the Brain Snake Brigade. Kenobi was making good show of it, but it was kind of hard to make progress when everyone basically wanted all the toys and then to go home. Even the little bombshell about who Kenobi was hadn't faced too many of the bigwigs, though Jack was incredibly grateful that it made the Tok'ra shut up and sit down for a bit. Selmec looked too innocent not to be holding back amusement, and the other three were blank-faced with embarrassment. Jack just couldn't quite get his head around it. One of the twelve head honchos? Sure, fine. The Jedi worked for the Republic, and there was that big-ass alien senate in charge, but... How the hell had Jack had one of the top twelve bigwigs in his head and never known it? 
And now, how the fuck was this his life, that he would even think sentences like that and it made sense? They were getting absolutely nowhere when Kenobi jerked upright, eyes going wide before he winced. He had one hell of an expression, right between relieved beyond words, amused, and frustrated. Some of the bigwigs were sharing looks as Kenobi's left arm guard chirped, and a round bit began flashing blue. "'Excuse me,' Kenobi said tersely, shoving his chair back. He made it to his feet when the communicator made a different chirp, and then began projecting a small, flickering... hologram? They had holograms? Why had they not used holograms on the Takta? It was all in shades of blue, and kind of grainy, but the image of a clone in armor was glaring right at Kenobi. This guy's dark hair was a little shaggy to match a goatee, and he had some kind of tattoo or birthmark or something on his temple. Obi-Wan, so help me, if you're playing dead again by the force, I am going to haul you right out of Seventeen and shove you in a jar until you swear to me no more like risking shit for at least a damn week. The man roared, almost at full volume, in a voice completely different from Kenobi or any of the clones. Jack and everyone else in the room boggled at Kenobi, who'd stepped away from the table with remarkable aplomb, turning his back on the bigwigs. Not that it mattered much, given the language barrier. Anakin, this really isn't the best time. Oh, I'm so sorry. Should I wait and come back later? Or just when you felt dead in the force again? Calm. The calm that only worked over short distances. Jack went still for a beat as cold realization washed over him. Excuse me, Jack said, standing up. The hologram and Kenobi ignored him, though everyone else was looking his way. Jack circled the table, scampering over to Kenobi and peering over his shoulder. Ah, oh, jeez. He could see the hologram tracking his arrival, the eyes moving to focus on him. Having his TV look back at him was not fun. Is this a private chewing out or can anyone join in? New guy raked him over with a look, then looked back at Kenobi. Who the hell is this, and why do you look like Rex in Sap 17? Kenobi's shoulders slumped, grief flickering across his face. New guy winced. Aw, oh, hell, Obi-Wan! His voice finally softened, going to a more reasonable level. I'm sorry. Jack wasn't sure if he really could feel Kenobi's grief, and do not want to talk about this, if he was imagining it, or if he was reading it from body language. Either way, he put a hand on the Jedi's shoulder. I got this. He gave the new guy a very plastic smile. Hi, you've managed to call in the middle of, thankfully, not too tense negotiations, but it's a good thing you didn't ring earlier. Seventeen had an unfortunate accident with some Sith, but your bud here is okay. Both of them, really, and a bunch of troopers. New guy jerked at Sith, glancing over at Kenobi with a really concerned expression. In the meantime, Jack said, 
If you're actually, you know, in the solar system, we'd really appreciate it if you could keep back from the third planet out. That'd keep a lot of very cranky people from getting really nervous since we don't get visitors from outer space. What? Never? New Guy was still concerned about Kenobi, but there was more than a touch of dry amusement as he looked at Jack. Not publicly, and most of the folks who might come calling aren't exactly friendly. New Guy squinted at him for a moment, then his eyes changed color. At least Jack thought they did. The all-blue thing made it kind of hard to tell. Hot? The host asked, skeptical and definitely sounding like a clone. Kenobi snorted a bit of a laugh. A lack. The eyes probably switched back, and New Guy shook his head. One of these days, I want to know how you find these situations. He crossed his arms and eyed Jack. You do realize I'm not just going to sit here and leave Obi-Wan with you. No, that's fine, but really, we got a bunch of governments, yes, all on one planet, we already got the look, so save it. That will get twitchy if you fly anything larger than a few meters across into orbit. Kenobi sighed. You're on the Resolute, aren't you? You think I'd come after you in just the twilight? New Guy's expression hardened, and he gave Jack a calculating stare. It's me, the Resolute, and three other star cruisers. From Kenobi's exasperated eye roll, that was just as much overkill as it sounded like. Great. Just great. Just the fantastic way Jack wanted the meeting to go. I take it those are really big ships. Yes, Kenobi huffed. Anakin, things are a little difficult right now. The Twilight might actually be a good idea. You could make a discreet entrance and bring some surplus goods and weapons for trade, as well as goodwill gifts, and perhaps a map. Unknown regions. It's still a hell of a height to Bakura, though. That apparently meant something to Kenobi, who nodded and finally seemed to relax a little. You have no idea how relieved I am to hear that. Uh, yeah, this Twilight thing? Kenobi grinned. Spice freighter, no larger than one of your smaller commercial planes. Jack blinked. Space flight on an actual plane. A plane-sized plane. Did you just say your ship was used to cart around drugs? New Guy grinned. Not while we've had it. Some days, even Jack had to admit his life was weird. Okay, how soon should we expect you folks to come knocking? A few hours. The New Guy went from amusement to all business. We need to sort out who's coming and weed out the volunteers. Am I going to need a translator droid? You brought 3PO? Kenobi asked, sounding pretty surprised. No, and R2's still sulking about that. Kenobi snorted. Indeed. Bring what crew you need. We've allies here, though things are still rather unsettled. New Guy nodded. We'll see you in a few hours, then. He took the time to nod to Jack, then the hologram flickered out. 
Jack could feel the weight of a lot of eyes on him. He turned around, not sure how he felt about that. The government flunkies were pale-faced and a bit bug-eyed. They were staring at Kenobi with a bit of open respect, finally. It was always amazing to Jack the difference a flashy light show could make with the natives. The Tok'ra, minus Selmec, were steely-eyed and on edge. Selmec was watching with a combination of fascination and poorly covered amusement, though his interest in the revealed tech was also apparent. Not a surprise, since the Republic's tech seemed to be at least on par with the system lords, and carried out with a lot less pomp and circumstance and posturing. Sam, for that matter, looked like she was maybe an inch away from grabbing Kenobi's arm to try and figure out how the communicator worked. Danny, Teal'c, and Hammond were various levels of unreadable and generally pissed. Shit. Jack had also just labeled a bunch of American political bigwigs the natives in his head. Not, Not bad, bad work, work for a, a short, short chat, chat, at least. Well, Jack dusted off his hands. Looks like companies arrived. Anyone put out the welcome mat? <laughs>